At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, O'Hara, and I'm here with my brother and co-host Devin. Hello. And we're joined by our guest today, Tim the Blacksmith. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Super appreciate it. It's fun to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, buddy. All right, Devin, what do you got for us today? People say I'm making gold off of other people's misery, but what else would I do? Smithing is all I know. Next time one of my shields deflects a killing blow, they'll change their tune. Uh, I think that one went over my head to tell you the truth. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, it, that's an actual quote from a real live person. No. <laughs> okay. It's well, a fictional person. <laughs> and so, it, it's if, not, so it's not a quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm quoting someone who wrote the, the dialogue for this character. Okay. There you go. <laughs> okay. I like that. Um, so it's, it's a, I know it's it's weird. I was thinking of kind of blacksmith quotes and things like that, and I remembered a game that I used to play um, called Elder Scrolls Skyrim, right? It's mm -hmm. like this big RPG game. And I remember all the blacksmith stuff that you'd go into and you'd meet all these different blacksmiths in each town. And then I looked up, I was like, they probably got some cool cool quotes. And that, this this view, I wanted to bring it up to you guys and to you, Tim, blacksmithing i mean was always for pretty much every tool and home building and tools and farming but a big huge chunk of it at certain times in history was obviously for warfare so people were making these things that were definitely gonna kill people you know it, it was that's what it was for and now right. now now we don't really have to deal with that but is there a um, is there a thought that if you make a sword, it's not getting used fully? Not that you want it to kill someone, but that, 
like if you make a mallet or a bow or something, you can use it for other things. But a sword, what's the point in making a sword these days if it's not going to get used? Okay, well, uh, I'm not a bladesmith, so I'm not the best guy to answer the Mm. questions. But (laughs) this is how I would approach it. I would rationalize in my mind. Hey, I'm just going to turn my audio up here. I'd rationalize in my mind what the purpose of the intent of the project is. So if the sword is to kill somebody, then yes, that's what it's to do. But if the sword is an image or an object that represents something for somebody, then that's Mm. how I would build it, right? So it depends on what it's finished piece of intent is meant to be. That's how I would swing at it, though. But luckily, I don't make weapons. Closest thing I make is like (laughs) an axe. But I mean, the intended purpose of that is to cut wood, so I'm pretty safe on that point. So I think, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a great point of view that you're making it for its intended purpose, which I know you love, and I know I love making things that have a purpose, that are a tool for doing something. You have this awesome balance between creating uh, artwork and a design that has has a purpose to it. Um, I think that's a great perspective. Thinking about making something, even if I <clears throat> I hear this often for making knives as a knife maker um you know what if someone were to take my thing that i made and harm someone else with it um and i think of course that's something you think about but us our our intent has to guide what we make you know i'm intending this thing to be a tool for a certain purpose and it has a purpose that's you know that has a, a broad range of of uses outside of actually stabbing or hurting somebody so right i could Just, make a, I, I could make a, a you know a a wooden car and someone could bludgeon someone with that too. And <laughs> I, uh, I used to do these, uh, craft shows or, uh, farmer markets and I made these steak turners and every single person, some guy would always come up and be like, Oh man, that thing could kill somebody. I'm like, yeah, but it's not made to kill somebody. Anything can kill somebody. And then also right, whenever, exactly. whenever we throw, uh, I make these candle bases. They're like five pounds of steel and they have this spike that's Ooh. three inch, uh, two and a half inches long on it that sticks up to a point. And we throw like, like literally like 500 pounds worth of them into the back of the car and you go down the freeway, right? And you're like, man, <laughs> if I ever get in an accident, I'm going to be impaled by my Oh, work. you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could die from anything, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You can't, you can't be, uh, you're not liable. A car maker isn't liable for someone getting in an accident. So yeah, making making a knife and someone using it for harm or hurting themselves, it's it's not on you. But um, I don't know. It was just a funny quote. Yeah, from a video game. If if one of you guys would have got it, you know, I think you would have got. I would have given you a hundred bucks or something. But um, <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, what a funny idea. Like you're making something that saves lives, but is main intent. Like someone making, like, you know, in ancient Japan, a katana or something. It has to be really good at taking lives. Yeah. 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 I think that, you know, I think that, again, is that purpose-built thing. How, how, what are you doing and what's the purpose for it? Obviously, if, you know, there's there's a whole history of making things that are designed specifically to kill and damage people. But um I don't think we should get rid of that history because of the intended purpose. Cause like you said, Tim, if you're going to make a sword that has a meaning for someone that is a, 
you know, reenactor or, you know, someone who collects them as artifacts. You know, obviously there are swords in museums and things all over the world and they're not there as like, we're not highlighting them as tools that kill, killed people at one time. We're highlighting this as a piece of art and craft that has a place in history. That's really important. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's good stuff. All right. Well, on that note, let me introduce our guest. So we have with us today uh, from his YouTube channel and business, Timothy Dyke, better know, or sorry, <laughs> I have it in my head that way, Timothy Dick, and also commonly known as Tim the Blacksmith. Um, Tim is a YouTube content creator and a blacksmith. And what I really like about your channel and the reason why I started watching it, the reason why I reached out to you is because you have a great way of balancing creativity and doing something new that I haven't seen a ton of before in metalworking um, and like pushing the boundaries of creativity and what it is to work with metal and do blacksmithing. And I think that's what's super exciting about your work and why I'm super excited to have you with us today. Oh, that's uh, super encouraging to hear because, oh man, I always <laughs> feel like, oh, I got no ideas. Everybody's seen this. Nobody wants to watch it. So that's cool. That's cool to hear. It's good feedback. I appreciate it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I, like I said, when I first started, I mean, I think, I think the very first thing, some sometime in the middle of last year, I saw one of your videos. Um, I forget which one it was, but just something about like your demeanor. You seem really relaxed. You were like having fun. You're kind of like laughing on and off throughout the video, which I always think is fun. I love it when people laugh at themselves and laugh in videos. And I, I try to do it like I try to we try to include it when I do something like that because it does make people seem more relatable. But um, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah so that's so, true. Someti right sometimes when we're shooting we will do something and then start to laugh and discuss it in a different way after we cut. And then we're like, why, why, why don't we, this is what we need to capture. Like yeah. <laughs> this part of it, whatever we find interesting or, or, or if we're laughing about something or we're saying something is weird or didn't work right, we got to remember to include all that stuff. It's uh, it's definitely a tricky balance to capture what you want to capture. Uh, mm. I definitely struggle with that in the shop. Mart, uh, I don't know if you've watched the channel. I, uh, Martin, he works with me, and his saying is always like, "Ah, oh, Tim, Tim only shows ten percent of what's really going on, all the drama behind the scene, right?" <laughs> Him and I have a pretty good time off camera, but as soon as you click that record button, you kind of change a little bit, and it takes a while to to sort of get that straightened out to be who you want to be, and also be genuine and, and real right so yeah yeah definitely and I think um you know as you as you know and as our listeners know Devin does all the camera work for the channel and so he's there with me which is really nice to have someone in the room with you that you can kind of you're you're not you don't just feel like you're just talking to the camera now obviously sometimes I am just talking to the camera but as I'm working on something or looking at something you know I might have this thought like oh I need to I need to clarify what I'm doing. And I think that I would say it to Devin the same way that I would say it to anyone watching. Yeah. And I don't know 100%. if like you had that same, same experience with having Martin, Martin in the, yeah. In the, uh, in the it definitely you. is so much easier, easier to be relational to a camera when you have a real person standing behind you, you know, you just right. talk to him and you're talking to the camera. And then sometimes yeah. it's fun when you, you know, you're, they know you're talking to not the camera, you're talking to Martin, or, you know, you can use right. it as a character, right? So yeah. there's a there's a relationship that you have to come to terms with in the sense of the audience who's the camera. And I'm just, you know, just starting into learning that, but uh, hopefully, hopefully I can develop that better and, and relate better to the camera, the audience. 
Yeah, right on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll continue the, um, the compliment train before we move on here. Um, <laughs> so, wait, is is Martin? The, he, does he shoot? Is he most? Is he mostly the guy behind the camera? Uh, nope. <laughs> I'm trying to. Mar, Martin is. Um, he does act. He he does everything in a little mm-hmm. bit. So his primary focus uh, right now is to be actually making the work like the, the, for right now we're doing axes. So he's yep. doing production work and then I'm doing everything else. But there is times, the, the challenge for us is our shop is just a terrible environment for filming because it's a tin can, it's got no insulation. Mm-hmm. And so every single noise in there is, is loud. So yep. what happens is when I'm like, hey, I gotta talk. I'm like, hey, Martin, Martin. Turn it down. I got to talk, man. So then he'll shut everything down. He grabs his coffee and then he stands there on the camera. And then I got these old cameras and they like randomly shut off. So I'll just keep them standing on the back there. If anything happens, just shut, just let me know. So I don't keep talking. We got to take this thing again and waste everybody's time. So, so that's kind of why you get that little bit of development. And I, I think it's actually worked out naturally, uh, really well for the channel it super sucks though for trying to get stuff done because i gotta stop martin's super good about it but shut everything down and stop and talk so it also creates a really uh i think it can be awkward or weird video relay because you're like oh i wish i could just say this two-bit word right here or i could talk a little bit but i don't want to stop and have everything shut down so i'm going to keep going and then you'll catch this time where like okay i'm going to talk about a whole bunch of things and i think that's just because i also am learning how to edit how to convey story and video, and I, I don't know how to do that. So as I get better, I can be like, oh, you know, if you just do a little bit voiceover there, that smooths that out. That makes a whole lot more uh, sense. So right. lots of lots of learning on the front of that. But uh, uh, Martin's a, a trick of all uh, all things, but his nice. main focus is to to grind out work right now. So mm. right on. So yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, who, who is behind the camera? Then I mean, I know you you set the most shots up, but Sometimes there's someone else holding the camera. No, it's just him and I. So really? if you don't see me and the camera's moving, it's Martin mm. and vice versa. And that's we're just a two-man show. No, that's great. <laughs> I, want, I, I wanted to say um, it's great. Yeah, the videos are really good. I mean, the quality's there. Everything's there. It's And there's all these little details I appreciate. There was one when Dustin suggested the chainmail video, I guess – was that a couple months ago, Dustin? Yeah, it might have been. Uh, <clears throat> it's like maybe October. Yeah, that November was a recommendation, like and I yeah. didn't, I didn't, I didn't know about you until Dustin recommended you, and I watched it, and it was great. I, I loved it, and I um, really liked the beginning of the video, setting it up as a kind of a teaser, but one that that really one that one shot of you doing the whole ring, right, coming out out of the heat, and then doing each step. It was perfect. It's a perfect teaser, and it's uh, it shows your skill. It shows what's interesting and what's going to be interesting about the video, in my opinion. And uh, it's it's a really great start to a video. Oh, get out of town! Do you know what the truth is? <laughs> I have regretted doing that intro ever since I posted the video <laughs> because. The analytics, looking at it, I felt like I lost everybody right at the beginning because they're like, oh. He showed us everything. That's boring. I don't want to see that. <laughs> like, ah. and, and so I, I, that's very interesting to hear from a real person, not the uh, analytics that you like that. I appreciate that. That's encouraging. So you just, you, you got into the bedroom and you got naked right away. And that was just, you didn't tease anybody. 
Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no, just straight to the point. <laughs> yeah, I guess no, I think so. that's <laughs> that's funny. I uh, maybe that's I don't know. Maybe that's the perspective because we're we're all content creators, so we have you know we're the, we're the minority, obviously, of who's watching. Right? You have thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching, and then you have you know a couple thousand content creators or whatever it is on YouTube. Maybe more than that, but yeah. Um, you know, having other content creators look at your work and then understand what they what they see as beneficial to wanting to watch a video. And I we feel that same way too. And I think often we think about, okay, how can we how can we capture people in the beginning? We we thought about doing some like slow motion stuff as an intro. Um and yeah, I mean all those things do one thing or another and and it's amazing how much we do depend on the analytics to tell us what's working and what's not. Um, but yeah, who knows? I mean, cause I, I hear from people like other content creators all the time that are talking about that first, you know, eight to 10 or 12 seconds of a video that captures the audience's attention. And, um, and often I see both of your perspectives, right? So I see Dem's perspective saying like it, it can capture you like, Oh, that's what's going to happen. I'm ready to watch the whole thing. Me as a maker, if I'm watching a maker video and I see them tease that out, then I'm like, okay, now I want to see how this, all this stuff is really done. I want to see the meat behind this little clip. But then also, you know, someone who's just like uh, the, the layman or maybe not layman, the person who's watching it, who you're trying to capture their attention before they go away, which is the majority of our viewers, everyone's viewers. Um, having having too much right at the beginning i could see be a little bit of uh like a little bit of a i don't know yeah not teasing too much you know showing to people too much and then they're just like okay yeah, i know what's gonna happen so i'm gone now it's yeah. definitely something i have been looking at working on and and not getting into it too far because i'm sure this is absolutely boring sauce but i <laughs> i i do try to look a little bit at what the intent of the video is and and look at who's going to be watching it and then be mm. like oh okay then i need to do something that's going to keep them uh, by showing what's going on. Or I'll be like, no, I know that people are going to watch this video and they want to watch it because they want to see me build it so that I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do what I want to do on the intro. And nice. like that can be me driving down the road, coming into it, you know, going to <laughs> coffee or something like that because people want to see that. But but if it's yeah. a video of like, hey, how to make a hammer, then that person is coming that for a tutorial-based idea and probably uh. they don't want to watch me go get coffee because they're like that has nothing to do with a hammer we don't care about that they're not looking for the relational side of it so i try to yeah. i try to not obviously i'm not super great at this but i try not try not to overthink about it at the same time think about it a little bit and, and capture no, I, that that's awesome because i i love the q a video that you just did and i clicked on it to watch it because i'm a member of your community, right? I'm like, Oh, yeah. I want to hear what he has with the Q and a. And yeah. so having that bit where you started out getting the coffee for Martin, that was like, is so funny and so right. personal. And yeah. like you said, I, I watched through it because I, cause I'm dedicated to what's happening in the channel and not yeah. just to mm -hmm. come find out something. Yeah. So that, and, yeah, that and that was, that was a, cool. that was a great, a great intro in my opinion, because I got to tell the story of the Q and a through the intro because the coffee it's assumed it was for me who has three kids. But then when I give it to right. Martin, everybody's like, Oh, that's who Martin is. He has three yeah. kids. Oh, that's a Q <laughs> that's and a. Awesome. Cause he doesn't get to, to do a lot with that. Right. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. that's so smart. That's good. I like yeah, it. It's yeah, actually, it's, it's not, it's not forethought. It's afterthought. He's oh. like, Oh yeah, that was smart Tim. Way to go. <laughs> I, I, I can't take credit for these kind of things. So <laughs> that's, that's great. Now it was, that was great. And, and, I, 
watching it and knowing Martin, I assumed it was for Martin. So as you were oh, okay, talking, okay, kind of, okay. it was like, okay, Martin's got three kids. Like, Mar- you know, all those things I would have never thought. <laughs> you know, you kind, you, you kind of understand people are, you know, we're all adults and you have families, but you never really get that. So it did. It worked perfectly. That okay, cool. good. <laughs> um, so I want, if you can give us, you can take as long as you want, but I'd like to know a little bit about um, and I, and for the, the listeners, how you got started in blacksmithing. I know that you mentioned this recently on your Q and a video. Um, but maybe like you can kind of tell us how you went from just seeing chain mail in high school or middle school, whatever it was to, to wanting and going into an internship when you were in your late teens and getting into blacksmithing. Can you tell us like that story that happened? What happened? Yeah, for sure. I can, I can do that for you. So, uh, nice. to those of you who haven't heard it, I, I consider myself a blacksmith. I do uh, full-time blacksmithing. And up to like two years ago, ever since I was really young, uh, I was like driving towards architectural ironwork, so custom work, so things like railings, gates, lights, Mm -hmm. um, custom work for high-end homes, stuff like that. So how that all came to be is when I started, uh, when I was about 13 or so, I saw a picture of a chainmail. We were studying medieval in school. And I saw a picture of it and I was like, oh, that's actually really, really cool. I wonder if I could try making that. So then, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, get some books from the library. Yes, the library was a real thing. That's dating me, I know. That's okay. <laughs> and uh, I got hangers, like clothes hangers from like the uh, thrift store for like 25 bucks for 50. And I started cutting those and making chainmail and was figuring that out. And then uh, uh. I... Uh, my dad actually bought for me i think i paid for it but he picked it up it was um a whole roll of uh, 14 gauge galvanized wire for fencing and then i was like oh yeah here we go no more clothes hangers let's go (laughs) and so i did over the summer i ended up building a whole shirt like i just worked at it and i think that's one of the cool things or one of the things about my personality is that when i get onto something like i just really drive to see it finished so i finished Mm. the shirt and i was like oh what's next this is awesome and then um, I was like, oh, well, forging, that would be really cool to make some armor or something like that. So then my dad, uh, I grew up on a, a acreage. It's a five acres. Actually, this is the, uh, the unknown fact that the shop that I work in is the shop that I grew up in. It's actually my dad's shop. So that's oh, kind of wow. a bit of the story in there. So it's like pre-early 13, Tim was working in the shop and he still is. That's kind of weird. But anyways. Um, <laughs> that's great. So, you know the shop uh, well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my dad helped me put together like a brake drum forge. So it was like, you know, pick up a, an old brake drum from nice. a semi-truck. We went to the thrift store. I had, I, I had like a couple bucks to buy a spa fan. It was some random fan. I got clay from the <laughs> ditch, put it all together, got a forge going. And then it was like, oh, this is awesome. So it started into that. And then, and then what it was though, is, uh, I had always had a paper route and I, at that time had a couple chickens and I was collecting the eggs and I would sell them for like a couple bucks to kind of get a side business going on. And then what that, all that business was suddenly like fueling my blacksmithing passion and stuff. But what I found out is it was really expensive. Propane, Coke, uh, coal and stuff is expensive. Oh, is that audio my batter? No, nope, that was me. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyways, I as soon as I got going, I started to be resourceful. So I started finding a guy who repaired pellets. So I started making my own charcoal instead of buying coal so I could save money. And then I uh, – sorry, I just got to make sure my computer doesn't fall asleep. And then I um, uh, started like, oh, I got to start selling this stuff because I got to make money. So I started doing uh, craft shows and markets, uh, things like that, to make a couple bucks and stuff. So anyways, that was going on, just making stuff. And then, How old were you then? 
uh, well, that that was like from 13, and that was right through to um, grade 11 or so. Right uh, and then I, in between grade 10 and 11 and grade tw uh, 11 to 12, I actually landed custom jobs. People at craft shows I'd met, they're like, hey, we like you to build a garden gate trellis for us. And they were big enough jobs <laughs> that they would last me this summer. So I actually was not able to do that kind of like a sense being self-employed, even though those projects mm -hmm. should have taken like a week. They took all summer, but whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever. And then... Uh, <laughs> You know, you talk to people, you get to know this and that. And so uh, I knew the blacksmith who did blacksmithing at the historical site. It was Fort Langley. Uh, it's just like an interpretive thing. So I was like, oh, I'll go do that for the summer. So that was great out of high school. I, I was doing that. And then about that time starting that, I got asked by a blacksmith, Paul Reimer in Cranbrook. Uh, my brother lived there and that I had met him once. Anyways, he was looking for somebody to come on and do an apprenticeship. And so he presented that to me and I'm like, oh man, yeah, let's do that a hundred percent. But I got to finish this thing at the fort and then I'll go do that. So I finished Fort Langley and realized really quickly that I was not interested in being a demonstrator, being in front of the audience and talking to the mm. crowd and making things, which is completely ironic, like 10 years later, but whatever, <laughs> uh, with, with YouTube. So it's different, but you know, nevertheless, yeah. life's like that. Uh, yeah. so then I went to Cranbrook, moved there. And um, four years apprenticeship for Paul, which was really good. It was very different than what I thought it was going to be. Um, Paul put me through. So the way it worked is I would work 8.30 to 2 for him, so five hours. And then I would start welding school at 3 and then work to 10. So you could still work a job and do your welding school at the same time. So I was able to do Ooh. that. And it was a great program. I really appreciated that it was uh, self-guided, I guess, or self-directed. So what it meant is... Um, the harder you worked, the quicker you could get done the program. So I was uh, able to accelerate the program. I did it. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, welding tickets. You start with your C, then your B, and then you get your A. So I was able mm -hmm. to do the, like the whole program in like almost just over half half time normally. So it was super great for me. And then I was able to wow. also do my red seal and welding because I'm like, well, if I'm doing this, I might as well just do that even though I 100% don't claim myself to be a great welder and in, enjoy it in the sense of like not wanting to do that for a career, but it is a great career. Right. So anyways, yeah. uh, that was going on on the side. And then, you know, I was, it, it, when school wasn't going on in the summers and I was full-time for Paul and then Paul Reimer was doing architectural stuff. So he, he, I actually had a lot of really great exposure that I probably didn't appreciate at the time, but, um, we did one contract that was for a hotel in Banff. Uh, it's like a ski resort kind of high mm -hmm. end. So we would be doing, um, I think it was like two floors and there's like 40, 40 units on each floor. So you're doing 80 units. So, you know, we're like Ooh. talking like hundreds and hundreds of headboards and hundreds of paper towel holders and hooks Jeez. and things. So, oh, so this is the first job there. Paul's like, ah, <laughs> oh, here, take this five eighths round bar and put a point on it and uh, do that like a thousand times. Oh, okay. Here we go. So you, you go. <laughs> and, and it would be like, you would get to the point that you would be welding something that would have probably 50 welds on it. And you would sequentially know each spot, which way you're going to weld and which way you're going to lay it so that the seams mm -hmm. weld smooth and, and look nice. So you really right. learned um, how to mentally work fast and, mm. and know, and then drive yourself too. So there's a lot of great things with that. And then anyways, uh, he did uh, big ho uh, houses in Montana, in uh, Golden, in Calgary. So that'd be wow. like railings yeah. and gates and lights. 
um, and stuff. And then Paul also does uh, public art sculptures. So we, when I was with him, we did like two or three, which are our big scale projects. So anyways, that would be, his team would fluctuate from, I think the smallest was like three guys when we were there. And then sometimes it'd be six guys. So you got a good dynamic of different size shops and, and how that would work. So I really appreciate that, that time that I had with him. And then when I was done, uh, I knew that I wanted to go out and start my own company. So I came back to Abbotsford where I grew up and then that was 2013, the fall, uh, started here and then been doing full-time since then uh, on my own. And then last two years, uh, working pretty hard on YouTube stuff. So That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah two things. One, that must, uh, it must have been a great stand, the kid who sells eggs and armor. That, <laughs> that would be my favorite. Well, I, I never got to armor. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I think what happened is uh, as soon as I, I started forging things, I made like one knife, and I realized – Again, this is ironic. I do not like grinding. I actually hate grinding. And knives, you, you grind so much. So I'm like, I'd rather forge yeah, something. Yep. So that's why I got really drawn to the forging of things. I say that's ironic because now I do so much titanium stuff on YouTube and you just grind for days to make it look good. <laughs> but uh, that that was my premises of uh, uh, decorative and ironwork because you get to forge and, and that's what I like to do. The The saving grace for me... Uh, there's a big demand for axes right now, and for me, the forging of an axe is very pleasing. I really enjoy that process, and there's very little grind time, and so I can be sold out to that. Where if a knife, I'm like, ah, I don't, I'm just not cool about that, you know. Even though I really yeah, do appreciate yeah. people who do that, but not me. Yeah, really. I hear you. It definitely takes it takes a lot of time and effort, and a lot of just standing in front of a grinder <laughs> to make which, knives. Which is okay. Um, I can do that, but it's just not my yeah. first choice of life, you know. Oh yeah, I hear so, you. Yeah, uh, I'll, no, I'll, I definitely. I'll agree. tell you, watching grinding is not a fun thing for me to shoot. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, when, so, oh man, totally. Hundred percent. When Dustin's grinding for three hours, I'm I'm quite bored standing there, and I'm like, okay, I think he's done, and then he goes up for another grit. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> One, I thought it was yeah. over. He's like, yeah. all right, uh, twenty thousand grit. I need. I'm like, it's done. It's it's good enough. There, when I was doing the titanium knife, um, yep. there would be like a week I wouldn't even turn the camera on because I'm like, yeah, I capture that. Or I would watch the time lapse and I'm like, see that sun move from that side to that side of the shop? Yeah, that was one day. And I didn't even film the other two days of me doing that. <laughs> I wish, I don't, I don't know how to better convey it. Like, I feel like I, I super overdrawed that series. It took me six parts to build it and it took forever because it took forever to do it i'm like i don't right, you can't, yeah. how do you make it go faster and i don't know how to convey this to people like i'm just grinding <laughs> so yeah and that's i think we we will often use like time lapse to 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 show that this thing will take a long time but we're going to do it quickly because yeah. that same yeah. thing how do you how do you relate that like you spent four right. hours doing one task just to get it to do it what it needs to do really well like you know shaping an axe handle or something you know that's it takes a lot of shaping and grinding and and draw knifing to get the head to fit all that stuff takes time and how do you convey that and if you're just doing like two or three shots um yeah right of, especially sorry Dust. especially when yeah. someone's trying to learn from you if if i edit it down so much that looks like dustin like two passes here and two passes here and instead you know we were sitting there for three hours it's we're not doing service to the process and we're not helping anyone else 
do it because they're going to get so frustrated. Like, he did it so easily. No, he actually went back and forth and worked on it for three hours. So we <laughs> tried, yeah. to find a way to, tried to find a way to show that a little bit. I, I understand that, but I actually don't rationalize it like that. I go, um, I want to make this interesting for people who want to watch it and see the process, and I want to keep mm. them watching it. So I'll be – so there's two Tims. There's a Tim that builds it, and, and that, that's the Tim who knows how long it takes. And then when I come to editing, I try to be Tim, the editor and go, um, okay, would it try not to get emotionally attached to the product that this eight hours of work is conveyed in 20 seconds. Um, right. but that's what it takes <laughs> to convey it well in the sense of keeping people interested in watching it. And then, and then I think that is the, the little bit of the ironicness or the little bit of a, a smirky smile for me who says, oh, when they try building this, they're going to have a good time with that. You know, that's gonna that's <laughs> nice. gonna take them eight hours, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I guess that's one of the benefits of just having having what we call a Devin in the business. So it's like uh, Devin yeah. sh shoots it and then edits, so I get to focus on just the making, and then we you know oh, we do a lot of stuff, and we we do kind of collaborate somewhat when he's in the shop, and we'll talk about shots and things, and we'll talk about composition, and then he'll also help me with you know, figuring out a problem and we'll work through things together or we'll, like we'll do stuff together. So there's this little bit of, of crossover in what we both do, but predominantly like I'm making and Devin's shooting and filming. So he has that completely like biased view of what we're, I'm doing. So he has that point of view, right? That's just like, Oh, I need to, I get enough, you know, it has to look good as much as it has to convey a meaning or a message that, like what's happening. Um, That's cool. And Sometimes that it's a little frustrating because I'm like, oh, what about this thing that I did? It was so cool when I did this thing. You didn't even show it, you know. Like, what about all this time I spent doing this? And he's like, eh, yeah. I was like, well, the video was already 35 minutes, and I wanted to wrap it up in five. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I I hope that someday I will get the opportunity to work with somebody who does editing with me. I I really yeah. enjoy that part. It was actually a big drawing card for me to come to YouTube was the creative side of video uh, um, videography. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I actually wonder though, how much I hinder myself because I'm too involved with the process of making. Whereas if you came in un unknowing of all the nuances of the project, how you would convey it and if it wouldn't be different. And I feel like that, that's an opportunity, like you have an opportunity because you are two of you. So you can totally right. be not related to the project and go, this is, this is how I think this should go. And then you who made it be like, Oh, but why would you convey it like that? Because logically, this is how I built it. My mind is so logical, right? You start yeah. at the beginning of the project and you work through and you show every detail, but that's not necessarily yeah. the best way you want to convey it. And, and I'm a crutch to myself yeah. because I don't know I do it, you know? I yeah. But I'll, I'll also, I'll also say Tim that just the fact that you're, you're into it. Cause a lot of people begrudgingly, record themselves right and it, all it is is a gopro in the corner of the shop and all it is is time lapse and it's just not great like you said earlier once you get into something you really you really get into it and um that's good because you already have the you have the passion for it so you know maybe it slows you down in your workflow but since you have the passion for it you are I don't know. You have something. You skin in the game of trying to make it look good. I don't, I, and yeah, there was a really cool. Sh there was a really cool shot in that same chainmail video where you. It was like an above view, and it was. Uh, oh, I, I like know it, exactly it, what yeah, you're it's, talking it's, about. It's like a stop motion um, kind of time lapse, and it was it was really good because I could just imagine because as you guys were working, 
everything was moving around, right? All those little bits and bobs were like swirling and moving. I was like, oh, how much time, All extra right. time you did know you what? take to do that? I think that if we've got five minutes, I think we should just talk about the entire video of the chainmail, the behind yeah, the scenes yeah. of what's really going on with that project. If, sure, if yeah. got, I think it'll be encouraging to, to people who are listening. Okay, so yeah, absolutely. That's that's one of the things I definitely want to talk to you about just because going from, you know, starting to do chain mail and then deciding to do this like giant chain mail. Like, <laughs> how did this all happen? Yeah. Okay, so so I'm going to I'm going to go with birth of the idea because I think that's something that I always struggle with when making ideas. How do you come up with ideas? So mm -hmm. this is how this one came about. I felt I was watching Mr. Beast videos and yeah, yeah. I know you weren't expecting that, right? And I was like, oh man, he does such videos where it's like, it's like you see him suffer through the project. It's so cool, right? Like he goes, I'll do something for 24 hours or I'll count to this number, whatever. I was like, oh man, how can I convey that in my work? That would be so cool. I'm like, oh, okay. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll make chainmail straight for like 24 hours. I'll make a whole shirt. Mm. It'll be awesome. And then Martin and I, we can both do it. We'll like just suffer through. It'll be awesome. So then we, <laughs> we ran some tests and calculated it. And if we worked like straight all the way through, like not stopping, we'd be working for six months to make a shirt of chainmail. Oh, so, okay, we've got a problem. That is not going to work. Okay, uh, let's, ab let's abandon that idea. And that's what happens with so many video ideas. You, you yeah. poke at it a little bit and it, it dies. And you're like, okay, well, whatever. Or you sometimes do and you're like, why did I do that? That was so silly. Anyways, <laughs> so that idea died and then like, uh, a couple weeks later, I have no idea how it happened. I, I am a believer as I'm learning that as a creative, you need to find what works for you, but give yourself space where there's no pressure and you're relaxed mm. and you're not thinking about anything because that's, so for me, I go for drives with my family, best time in the world for ideas to come to your mind. So you use your off time mm. to be productive. No, you don't, but you do. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I'm like, oh, we should make the world's biggest chain mail. How sweet would that be? That's a cool title. I was thinking about titles, right? And I'm like, yeah. could we do that? Yeah, we could We could make some big chain. I'm like, how big? Like, big. Okay, yeah. So I ran it past my wife, and she's like, I don't know, Tim. And then I, I, and I, I also bounce ideas off of Martin quite a bit. So I'll just come in the morning and be like, hey, Martin, what do you think of the world's biggest chain mail? And then by his reaction, I'll be like, oh, that's a good one. And that's a bad one. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, so that, that's the idea. That's how it came about. What, <laughs> yeah. what was going on, though, is this is the, the truth behind the scene is um, this was just as COVID was coming in last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was full-time doing custom iron work. And in the last three years, I was pretty much working for one person. Um, they, in Vancouver, they have a park. And this guy, he does horse-drawn tours, so he has these horses and a carriage, and people get on, and he does a tour. It's kind of a tourist thing. Super nice guy, and I've done a ton of work for him, like three years, and we had pretty much a year of work lined up. But two years ago, I was like, oh, I really need to get off of this because if something happens, mm -hmm. I'm going to lose all my job. And I'm like, that, that was kind of the birth of where YouTube came in. There's a whole bunch of other things, but we're not going to get yeah. into that. So YouTube was running on the side, and I was trying to hustle it as hard as I could but still pay the bills, right? Mm -hmm. So anyways, what happened is, um, COVID came in and 50% 50, 50 of his business was cruise ships and the other 50% was international travelers. So his work oh. completely stopped. Uh, he's going Jeez. negative every day, big time. And so he's like, Tim, we got to put all these projects on hold. And I'm like, I totally understand. So 
Martin and Tim have no work. And then uh, I have a, a one-year-old at that point. Uh, our second is on the way and Martin's third is on the way. So we both have like oh. family. It's pretty <laughs> pressure and we have no work. And I'm like, oh man, YouTube's premature by at least two years be before we could even think about this thing being able to support us and pay for us. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I got just enough money, Martin, that we could probably buy enough steel to pull this chain mail project off. If, <laughs> if we don't, if we don't pay ourselves anything. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, totally, no problem. We can make Jeez. this work. We're going to go for it. So like, okay, we're all in. And what do we need out of this video to make it to, to like what it's worth? Well, we need a million views. And we're both like, whoa, in, in how long? Like two months. Oh man. We never, like the, at that point, I think our best hit was like 500,000 views or something. Right. Yep. So anyways, we're going all in. We're going YouTube all the way, hundred percent. So we sent it epically big on this thing, right? So the chain mail is, uh, for the viewers who are watching or listening who haven't watched it, it's, uh, um, about 250 rings and it's 1700 pounds when it's all finished mm. so that means that you take 1700 pounds and you move that through the whole shop for multiple of weeks so you mm. would we we had stretched our forge so we could get the the heat uh the bars that for the ring in in one heat so you didn't have to go back to the forge ideally anyways we like we really set it up and we ran for um, you know, we did the video for the intro, we did the video for capturing the rings making, and then we just turned the cameras off and we worked for days, like probably I'd say at least a week or week and a half with not even taking any footage because it was so mundane and, and repetitious right. that it was like, there's no point in showing this. Let's just go hard production, run this out. So anyways, that's what we did. And then we got all these rings made and we started to the assembly, the assembly of 1700 pounds worth of steel. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, this is a big job and it's super boring once you get past the thing how do we spice this up a little bit and i'm like oh, let's do a top-down shot it'll be awesome <laughs> that we can see each ring coming together and then i'm like oh wouldn't it be so cool if it like just assembled itself by itself with nobody in the picture so we right. if we if we just do pictures we could just do that so a stop a stop motion yes so we set the camera up perfect on the top and 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 this is um working on the floor swinging a 10 pound sledgehammer with torches that's what the work is and you're on your knees or crouching all day for multiple of days so what we would do is because of the stop motion this is why i got to talk about this nobody knows the stop motion people say hey was that some kind of cool rivet running around in the background there or something so you're hearing it first is, here folks here we go yeah so so the process is you heat the ring up and you go to the vice you open it up and then you run down to the shot uh, the floor and you weave it through four rings when it's hot. Then you take a sledgehammer, you beat it down, a vice grip and pliers, you slam it together. Then you take a rivet, you stick it in. Then you take, uh, you put a special thing under it. You take a torch, you heat that rivet up, and then you put another thing on top. And then you one-handedly, one guy stands on the chainmail to keep it from moving. And then the other guy swings the sledgehammer like crazy to try to set this all <laughs> down. So what we wanted though, is we wanted the ring uh, moving in and then we wanted it uh, hot and closed and stuff. So anyways, we'd have it about, probably I'm going to say about five different shots per ring for the stop yeah. motion. Right. So oh. what was going on is because we didn't want to be in the picture, you would throw it down and then we would book it out of the scene. And then I used my iPhone <laughs> wirelessly to the camera. I would take the shot and then we would book it back in. And while I'm booking it out, taking the shot, 
or after just after the shot, Martin would take one of the rivets and he had this whole ant chase going on and he would move mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. book it back so so cause the reason they moved is because we would do five shots per ring right so that's why they look like they're chasing yeah, right, so right. far so right. anyways Jeez. we were dead our my legs were killing me for days and days it was just brutal work and, and at all the end of it's like Oh, a 10 second shot. That's, that's the one that hurt. This is like <laughs> so much work. So anyways, we launched the video. We were pretty stoked about it. And then we're like, yeah, it's going to do good. It's going to do good. Oh, it didn't do good at all. The video sucked. <laughs> and, and we're like, what do we do now? Like, cause we had set the whole idea of doing this testing stuff up well before we had proposed it to the audience. We're like, we'll test the chain chain with all these other things. So anyways, yeah. uh, we decided to continue to go on and chase the other ideas. We can talk about that later at a, at a different yeah, date man. if you want. Um, but for now, what happened is we just we had to walk away from that video, going like, "Oh, it didn't work." And then and then unknown to us, it did catch on. Um, in three months, it had it 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 had hit a, a million views. What mm. the truth is, though, is super unfortunately, um, it was a very short watch time for people, and I think that's that's why I. I said to the the intro i felt like i wrecked it and so we Ah. made we made nothing on that video because of the amount of work Mm. that we put into it and then people would just fall away after the intro so yes it has a million views but it's not like a like a titanium hammer video where people watch the whole thing is substantially better so anyways that's the life that's what it is well i i I appreciate that shot tim i right away as i'm watching it's one of those things you think is a time lapse and you go okay wait they're not in it okay they're doing stop motion wow that must have taken a long time so <laughs> i definitely saw it if no one else really appreciated it like they should um but yeah uh, yeah yeah go ahead dust i was gonna say and yeah like you were talking about knowing you know heat time and what that takes to do all that shot when you said you know it was it was five photos per shot i'm thinking okay do uh you know i guess I know I was thinking like how you how do you heat it up multiple times to get multiple shots but obviously once it's closed in those other rings it's there you can't yeah. then pick it back up and put it back in the forge yeah Whew. you yeah, got that's one, crazy one heat to close it up yeah and so you're doing um, when you closed it were you doing are you forge welding both sides and then riveting or are you just or are you just riveting both sides? yeah just riveting uh so okay. so how how it works is um we make the ring and they overlap about three inches on each side and then we actually, mm-hmm. when it's hot, we just flatten that out under the power hammer. So it's like if you would just put your two hands together, sort of like crossed over, that's how it would kind of look. And then gotcha. we just punched a hole right through it, half inch hole. So then, then we actually uh, heat it up again in the forge. Like at that at that point, the ring is made, uh, but we heat it up yep. and you open it up enough that you can gotcha. slip it through everything. And then you smack it down with a hammer, close it, uh, uh, line up the hole. And at that point, the ring is closed in position, and then you bring in a rivet, and then you heat the rivet up with a torch and close it down. Gotcha. So you're heating the opposite side of where the rivet goes, so that way you can bend it open. Actually, and close uh, you heat without... the whole ring up, and then you just bend it. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, actually, no. I see what okay, you're saying. Yeah. At the at the 180 from the joint is right. kind of yeah, where yeah, you yeah. bend it. It's not critical though. You just do it in the right. base with a pair of tongs. Yeah. yeah um, so, right. Do you think that? Maybe I'm, I was thinking about why people would skip the the beginning when I I liked it so much, but uh, I I think what if they just the thumbnail and the the title right is so extraordinary and like excite like it's like one of those Mr. Beast titles like I gave a million to a homeless person 
do you think maybe people just jumped off of the beginning, not because they didn't like the intro, but they just were trying to see the giant thing at the end? Right. So mm. what my thought on that is, and this is something that Tim has unfortunately had to learn the hard way, is <laughs> that um, the demographic who was clicking on it wanted to see like a world record or a world breaking record, but they didn't right, want right. to see the process of somebody making the world's biggest mm -hmm. chain mail. So right, I was hitting right. a demographic that wasn't actually my channel's demographic. And that was a mistake mm -hmm. on my part. And that, and that, that was actually accentuated and made very more clear as we did the three part series on testing the chain mail. I was working right. off further and further away from what I should have been focusing on my channel, which is blacksmithing and being in the shop and stretching myself as a craftsman and pushing mm. myself hard. That's what I need to focus on. And it only became evident after I had done that and they had all failed and flopped that I said, oh, what really works? Why are people watching? What do they want to see from me? What do I got to do? And then that right. was, so it was an incredible opportunity to learn to really focus in and adjust my content strategy and where I wanted to be. But it came at the cost of a, of a very costly projects. Right. And time, but I right? do, I mean, I do think all of, everything that we put into our channels is is drawing more people in one way or another. Now, obviously, if you have a, a video that has 1.2 million views, like your biggest chain mail video does, that's drawing in a lot of people. Even if, you know, you're only getting 1% of those people who are actually interested, interested in the following the journey of a blacksmith, as opposed to what's, you know, a flashy title for a world record, you're still getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that are looking at that because they have some interest or because of, you know, because YouTube has suggested that they watch it because they watch other blacksmithing videos, you know? So mm. I think that's how I, how I found it. I, um, I, don't, I, I guess I don't remember how, like how I look at it though, a little bit now, and maybe this is poorly on my part is I look at it. Um, sort of like bang for buck or what's worth for your investment. So I said, right. because I invested this much, this is kind mm. of what I need to get out of it. And I didn't right. get that. Mm. So, so a good example of that, in comparison to the chainmail video would be if you would look on my channel, I have a, a video titled, can you forge zirconium? And mm -hmm. that cost me about 150 bucks or 300 bucks to buy the material. And it took me one day to make that video or two days to <laughs> nice. make that video. Right. It's a really short yeah. video. And that video has yielded uh, a better conversion rate of subscribers, more subscribers right. actually. And financially it's done better too, because watch time was better and stuff. So it's like, Oh, I made that. And I could have made like 30 of those with the amount of work that went into the chain mail. So, so yeah, I, right. I don't, I actually, I kind of stopped like, yes, a 1 million viewed video is super attractive on YouTube. And I think that does give you a credibility from the outside, right? not, not, but from the inside, I don't actually look at that. Look at the yield rate. How much time did you put into right. your project to get out what you, to get out what you got out of it? So right. if I can do a video in one day and I can yield this, Oh, well that's, that's a way better conversion, but that, that is the risk with everything you do. Cause you'll do a one day video yep. and like, that was stupid. What was I even thinking this morning? Why did I waste my time <laughs> with that? And then you'll do a video that you spend three weeks on it and you're like, you'll, you'll get the exact same thing. That was amazing. Exactly. Do that again. Yeah. Or that was really bad. So, so that yeah. reels it back in for me as I'm, I'm learning to try to really look at, uh, what's the best fit for what my demographic wants, who I want to watch yeah. my videos, but also what makes what do I want to build? Like, like it all circles around. It's not just looking at analytics. It's looking at everything. But for me at this point, I feel like I'm not 
to the point where I'll just be 100% say, oh, I don't care what the analytics are. I'm just going to make whatever I want to make and people are going to watch right. it. I don't feel like I have that luxury yet because I'm still trying to grow. So I feel right. like I, yeah. I do balance out, oh, you know, I'm not going to go make something that doesn't make sense to me or I don't want to build. But at the same time, I'll be like, oh, I'm not super interested in that, but I think it'll do okay. I'll, I'll watch that. I don't, I don't know right. if that's like, you, you, you'll hear people talk about on YouTube, they'll be like, oh, you know, don't do that. Just do 100% of what you want and the people will come. But I feel that that's just where I am. And, and maybe that's just a little bit of my personality, but that's yeah, where no. I'm at it. Yeah, you have, to, you have to balance it. It's a balance like anything else. And, and the, I think what, what comes across in your, in your channel, which I really like, is that even if it's, I'll say this, even if you, there was something that you're not excited about, everything, it always comes across that you're excited about what you're doing, right? <laughs> and I think that if, and, and maybe that's because, the demographic wants to see some of the, most of the stuff that you are excited about. And so you're doing these things that you like and whether or not it's something that took you one day and you get a, a huge hit on it. Like we've had that with, we did a, a review of the Chinese sewing machine and who, who would have known, but that blew up and yeah. did really well. You know, yeah. we're like, Oh, that's an unboxing video basically and putting this thing yeah. together. Yeah. Um, and you know, so, but I think it is, it's just, there is definitely an element of, enjoying what you do and that comes across to the community um mm. and that and that is what i think does build as well as what i always say consistency putting out videos in a consistent manner so you're not taking long amounts of time yeah. off and then your channel will grow you know that's that's what we've found and that's you know i could definitely tell that with your channel as well um you know. I'll, I'll also say that it's it's uh, a pressuring kind of tricky business when Tim, you have so much on the line, and if you don't make the money back, there's trouble, right? That that's that's a lot different than just putting out a video where you don't have, like, if it was just your day job, and let's say you were making railing, and you wanted to make a video about you making the railing, you're already making money no matter what. So, yeah, all all you have to do in that situation is think to yourself that this is a good video, right? When you walk away, like I thought that one was good. Yeah. It's 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 such a tricky business when you do decide, okay, look, I think it would be cool if we made this thing out of this, but it's going to cost us 500 bucks. And do we want to do that? Do we think we can get it back? Then you, then your metrics for whether it, it it worked or not is can I get my money back? And and that's fine, but it is that that does make it tough and a little bit more stressful. Um it, that I think that's just like an age-old question to anybody who does artisan-based work, like it's always a struggle to to make a living doing what you do. Uh, but I also am like, I guess maybe right now I've slowed down a little bit. I'm like, enjoy this window, even though I've been enjoying it for seven years or all my life, which is not easy to do. But, but actually that stress does create something that you won't have necessarily when it's gone. So like, um, an example of that is videos that take one day. So you're like, I'm going to make this idea. I'm going to edit this idea and I don't have the idea, but I'm doing it today. Um, that video is a process that's built upon something differently than when you have a video where you're like, Oh, I really thought this through. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And the process of creation is different. So like, I'm, I, I try to look at them like, Oh, you can use those as tools, right? You're like, what's important. Oh, today I'm going to put a video out. Okay. Then that, that's a, that's a way to go about it. Or if you have ideas. So anyways, kind of rambling here a little bit, but the, the creative process is something to be sensitive to with the constraints that you have on it. So hmm. you can be grumpy and negative about where you are and how this has to perform, or you can be like, oh, but this actually stress makes me make something that I wouldn't have without it. Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of a weird way to yeah. look at it, but 
I'm trying to be no, more like that. Yeah. 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 And then, that's definitely, that's, that's <laughs> definitely uh, a very like real thing. Cause I, I have, my background is in fine art. I went to art school for college and I have my master's in painting and then have always just been a maker of stuff over the years. And so definitely stress uh, guides creativity and most artists, fine artists and makers will tell you that, you know, a deadline will give them the creative drive, right? You're like stressed out. You got to get something done. And then all of a sudden your mind starts working overtime and you start becoming extra creative because you're putting yourself under this like stressful situation. Um, and then obviously there's a lot of, I think, conceptual work that comes from stress, right? Because as, as artists, as creative people, we're always, uh, we're, we're taking everything that's happening in our lives and then we're you know, mashing it together and putting it out in the world is something new for other people to see. And that's a stressful thing, I think, in itself, is to put yourself out there and to be, to, to like welcome criticism. Um, so I think all of that comes into play in YouTube because obviously we all know about criticism on YouTube. The comment <laughs> section. We love yeah, it. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about titanium. Like, how'd you get into making titanium? Was that just an idea? Like, hey, let me try this out uh, because all right. it's all super right. fun and, and people love it. Okay. That was a similar story to the chain mail, except it was mm -hmm. pre that. So it was just him grinding away on YouTube. Things not working really well. Like, what is going on? <laughs> and I felt like um, I, I just have a hard time coming up with ideas. I just feel like, oh, I at that point, I feel like with my channel, I think it's changing a little bit now, but at that point I have to do something that nobody's seen before. And I'm mm. like, what is working? What has not worked? And I feel like a lot of these things have been ticked off the box by other content creators. And so I'm like, Oh, I don't know how I got to it, but I'm like titanium. That's cool. That's cool. Nobody's really played a lot with that. And then <laughs> I just put the ax idea onto it. And I was like, yeah, I have no idea why logically probably cause I was forging axes at that point or, or was playing with the idea. And then right. that, that was the same story. It was like, I, I don't got money. It's it, that, that was 600 bucks for the titanium. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't geez. got this money and I have absolutely no idea what this video is going to do, but I'm just, I'm going to go for it. So I actually bought the titanium and had it sitting for like a couple months. Cause I just didn't have time to get to it. Right. I was doing all my other stuff trying to make yep. things work. And then I just, I finally did it right. I just sunk into it. It took me like two weeks to build it or something like that. And then I just put it out there and I'm like, well, let's see what happens. And And that was sort of our first video that, um, did quite well for us. And I was like, okay, nice. there you go. And that was sort of the, <laughs> and, and now I feel guilty about it. You know, you're trying to kind of drill to the bottom of that well and capitalize on it. So you're like, oh, what can we do else out of titanium? And, yeah, uh, no, and, that's, yeah, awesome. that, and that's kind of where it's going. So I, I'm like running out of ideas. So I'm like, oh, what's the next material here? So that that's where um, I contacted a company that deals with a lot of aerospace steels. And so I got stuff from them and then I'm, playing around yes. you, you've seen it right and i've, I've got ideas yeah. running in the back of the ground and and and, and actually all, out of all truth um i actually really like pushing things that people haven't done before what i like is using blacksmithing this old school thing but doing yeah. it in a contemporary world that that's what we've always done in the design world of my work like mm -hmm. you bring the agile craft together with contemporary or modern design that's what i've said for mm -hmm. years and now i'm just doing that exact same thing on youtube in a different way right so that's bringing blacksmithing yeah. and aerospace steels together because the blacksmith a thousand years ago never had the opportunity to play with titanium or niobium yeah, or right. Inconel yeah. or anything like this right so it's right. uh capitalize on something they didn't have so and we'll, we'll continue to do that into the future 
not only is it contemporary materials, but it's a right. It's a contemporary style of video. The the like, hey, this crazy thing into this thing that's normal. Like that's a that's a it's a very YouTube style thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it, and it, right, you're you're bringing that in because obviously you could just demonstrate your skill and impress people because you have that repetition of skill. It's like watching some uh, old Italian woman make pasta, right? It, it's so good. She makes it look so easy, but you know how hard it is. But so, so you could do that, and that would also probably be a cool channel. I, I'd watch it, but wow. you, you're also doing a contemporary style of video to bring people in. Yeah, I actually, I didn't find that to be the truth. Um, like, when I came to YouTube two years ago, um, like, I had been doing blacksmithing for, um, like, 10 years full-time almost already. So I felt like mm -hmm. I'm pretty established in what I'm doing. Like I, I feel like, I feel like people will pick up on that pretty good, even if I... However I show it, it should pick up. And it's like, it's not, right? Because people, how, right. how come the guy, and, and no knock on the guy, who has uh, put $500 worth of tools in his garage is making stuff that's getting more views and better, better stuff like from yeah. an analytic perspective than I who invested my whole life, my whole life savings, my family's living in a 600 square foot apartment and I'm struggling <laughs> artist and I've got all these tools and things. And I'm like, Tim, something is wrong here, brother. You got to look at this. Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I need to change the game because they've seen the guy do, they've seen somebody make an ax, but they haven't seen somebody make a titanium ax. Okay. Mm -hmm. then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it just turns out, that the titanium max is actually a lot harder to make but but that the hardness so this is my thought on youtube man i don't know if we're supposed to be talking about this but whatever no um, this is that's what that's what this channel that's what this um, podcast is about man making so, stuff and talking about youtube content creation yeah <laughs> youtube is super funny because it goes back to the guy in the garage and there's no knock on this person the guy in the garage can make the project that i can make it can be the exact same project what's the difference the guy in the garage might have put two months of work into that project, but I might not have. So what does that mean? That means I can yield more output of content. And that's really what the professionalism has to be. So I, I can be quicker. So that means I can put more out. So I should be able to grow and make this continue to go. And that, and that's, that's the hard part for me. Um, because YouTube, you usually look at um, you base your opinion on somebody by their following. So this person has X amount of following, so they must be mm -hmm. good. And that's, that's, mm -hmm. That's true to a sense of like, yes, they're good at YouTube, but YouTube and your right. craft are usually two different things, not necessarily. And yep. that's no knock on either one, but it's the reality. So if I'm fast at my craft, then I should be able to be fast at YouTube as well. And then that should work, right? So that, that was sort of some mental stuff going on with my mind to be like, okay, I'm a professional at this, then I need to output hard, <laughs> you know? So yeah. that's kind of my thought on it. Right. You're, you're, um, your best quality is the speed, right? The speed that you can do things. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's a, that's an awesome perspective. I have never heard it put that way. And I think that's so, uh, so brilliant in a, in a business mindset, right? Like mm -hmm. how, how do you do something that's different? And we had that thought when we started our channel, how do we do something that's different? Because there's, you know, thousands and thousands of people putting out content on YouTube that is done, you know, really like you said like in the garage with one camera and they're showing something in there and they're doing it and they're getting lots of views so how do we do something that's a little different and come at it from a little bit different angle which 
hopefully will will you know draw people in and we had some different channels that we had looked at you know that we were impressed by um and so the our idea was okay let's put something out that's maybe longer form it's a little bit higher it's it's uh it's edited together there's more production quality it's a little bit more cinematic and uh and we'll do, you know, we'll do this. We'll try to do that on everyone and stay consistent. Yeah. And then that way yeah. people have that to relate to. Um, yeah. So that same thing, it was like, what do we do that's a little different? Because everyone's doing the same thing. And, now, and I hope um, I hope that I can get to the point. Uh, this is something mentally I've just been recently going through is I'm like, uh, yeah, but Tim, I actually just want to build the typical hammer you know, that everybody has seen on YouTube because I want to do that. And I feel like I'm robbed of that opportunity because I feel Mm. like everybody's seen that already. Why would they do it? But what I'm hoping is that I can get to the point that they're like, oh, we actually like Tim and we actually like the way that he conveys his content or his story or his video. And we'll watch him build it because, yeah, we've seen it before, but we haven't seen Tim do it. And I I hope that I can get to a point where either I feel comfortable with that or people are comfortable with that. And then I feel like I won't be robbed of just simple things in life, you know, like, oh, I want to yeah. build this or that. Well, maybe know? that's yeah. maybe that's that balance again, right? Maybe you do two or three videos that are more, let's say, sensational, right? And then you yeah. do a video that is what you want to do. Yeah. Because then, again, you have that you have that committed audience, the people that want to be there because they're invested in you yeah. and not just what your thumbnail is, but we know that's the majority mm-hmm. of the people. So, you know, yeah. you're giving that to us. Because, I, I mean, I would definitely watch just a video that's like, just making a normal hammer out of, yeah. you know, O one or whatever W two or you know yeah. whatever tool steel, <laughs> <laughs> just a straight normal hammer like, you know. And, but it'd be you know I could I could imagine it being funny like this sensational like thumbnail that's like building the most amazing hammer out of just the normal old hammer stuff you know like, <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. Whilst being attacked by bees, so you need a you need a bees nest in your shop and just have that going. Yeah, there's always something you gotta use. That's great. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I do. I, I, uh, this is something that Dev and I have kind of, you know, struggled with over the last couple of years. And, you know, once getting into, um, sponsorships now, Devin and I both have jobs or at least I have a full-time job. Devin is working full-time, you know, some, some other than some more than others over the past year, obviously with, uh, with COVID. But, um, so we're not depending on YouTube as our main uh, source of income, um, but I've noticed that when with you with doing some sponsored videos that you've done recently, you have a really fun and funny way of doing sponsorship videos. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, oh, boy. Um, no, it's all it's all good. Um, yeah. I'm new to sponsorships. I haven't done many, so I'm just figuring it out, right? I'm figuring out what works. Um, I struggle with letting something be in my video that I'm not 100% excited about. So I I am looking at who I'm taking on, and I'm looking at all things parameter, but I'm like, I want this to be a value. Even if you don't want to purchase this thing, I want this content to be of value to you, the viewer. So I'm trying to figure mm, out how yeah. to make that convey. What I'm scared about and I don't know um, is that's perhaps not fair to the people who are sponsoring the video. I don't know what's exactly fair to them. Mm. And so I'm trying mm. to be sensitive to that and figure that out. I feel like if if the best way to bring value to that sponsorship is being very uh, sort of like, I'm going to say abrupt with it, um, right. then I would like to know that and then a better better decide if this is something I'm going to do or not. Um, so I'm, right. I'm really new to that. I also feel 
mentally are, are super, super guilty if it's like, oh, that video tanked and I had a sponsorship in it. I feel so bad that they didn't get good views <laughs> for that. And I, and yeah, I don't like that. And real. then, um, the stress of it is quite a bit more. I, I unfortunately like, I'm not a complacent person. And like, I'm, I was always like, oh, hand my homework in well before the due date. But when it comes to YouTube videos, <laughs> it's fast. Like I, I'm, uh, always editing the day I post and, um, some days still filming and finishing the project and hoping it works and editing and posting on the same day. So when you start <laughs> integrating integrations into it, suddenly that whole time scale has to be adjusted. And so that, yeah, yeah. that is okay, but it, it's different. So I got to set up for that. So I don't really, um, I'm super grateful for the people who have reached out and asked for sponsorships and the ones I've had to do. Um, I definitely appreciate that. And I'm not quite sure, um, what that will all look like in the future for us, but, uh, yeah, right. that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah. It, it's great that you got it going. I'm so, I, I have two trains of thought, right? Either one, you try to make it fun or interesting when you're doing it. Like there's a podcast, uh, the comedian Bill Burr, he reads his sponsors, but he also kind of makes fun of them. It works because he's a comedian. Obviously we all can't do that or they'll just stop, you know, they'll stop giving your sponsorship or, right. <laughs> or you make it so, like you said, sharp and obvious that people can easily skip it is, right. is my, is my thought. You make it so obvious. Yeah. You put a banner on the bottom and you say, okay, we're going to talk about Squarespace or a game or this or that. And people, if they want, they can go past it. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think I I see both sides of that thing. I see different people obviously doing it in different ways. And and the one that I that really stood out for me that was real fun that you did, uh, Tim, was the Cove Audio one, where it was like you and Martin like debating, you know, just in this camera shot over country music and like hardcore music. I just that was great. You're like, <laughs> huh? This whole like you know cinematic thing that happened between the two of you, which was really funny. And then Good. again, that it did the same thing that it brought some humanity into a sponsorship, which is you know it's it's just to pay the bills right it is what it is yeah. obviously none of us want to put this thing in the middle of our video because it has nothing to do with our video most of the and, time and a little bit of my focus um from the very beginning of my youtube channel i said when i make this i am going to just be relational for the mm -hmm. perspective of that if i get the opportunity to someday have integrations and youtube doesn't pay me enough money through adsense that I can step into this and people will be like, oh yeah, that's naturally Tim would do an integration. Um, that yeah, was a really yeah. clear decision from the beginning. And so that's why I try to make them relational because I really try to do that with my content and videos. So that's that's where I'm like, oh, the, the, the cut and dry part of it, that's not relational and that's not part of the video. Like that that doesn't right. make sense to me. But I, I absolutely hear what you're saying and understand that. And that could be the best way to go about it. I, I don't know. Yeah, but no, I, 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 yeah, I feel both ways. Some, some people I appreciate when they, they just go into it because I can go skip, skip, skip. Yeah. But I also appreciate when people try to make it interesting because sometimes I do listen and then yeah. I do support whatever's supporting them, which, you know, I, I don't have a lot of love for advertisers, but I do like uh, supporting the, the, the creator that I follow. And I, yeah. I will say from somebody who uh, watches, I don't watch much YouTube, but when I do, I, I like it when somebody puts the effort to put an integration in, in a way that I'll watch and be like, I'm not going to buy that product, but I love the ad. It was awesome. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I feel like we're in the day and age 
where, well, I guess that's maybe not true, but I feel like if you want me to watch the ad, you should be able to make me watch the ad sort of in a sense. Like, mm -hmm. um, I'm okay to watch an ad if I want to watch the ad. So make me want to watch the ad. I, right. I don't know. I, I, I'm honestly, I haven't thought about this a lot guys, but that's, <laughs> no, that's the, fine. It's worth yeah, I mean, it I think the fly. Yeah, exactly. And I, 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 I'm continually amazed at how short ads are getting because you have that three second, like before you can skip it when it's actually not someone actually putting like a sponsored ad on their video, but when you're <laughs> watching and there's an ad in the middle, I'm like, man, they can really capture, like, what are the advertising companies thinking now? Like, all right, we need to have a video and advertisement that's three seconds long. Cause we got to capture people in that first two seconds before right. they clip skip ad. And it's just, it's fascinating. It's, like, uh, I almost watch them to see how well they can do it in that first two and a half seconds. It's <laughs> just a, a different world. YouTube, like with, with the mass amount of people and traffic you're getting and ads like it is a different world that blows my mind and i yeah. i'm actually coming from the grinding for seven years doing custom work trying to find those people to buy your stuff like it's a really fascinating thing to be like oh we only need to scrub off a little bit off of this amount and we'll be like doing good with all of yeah. these views and stuff. It's like, it's such a different world that it's like, Oh, this is really cool. So I enjoy that part. That's of that. awesome. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that I want to uh, ask you about before we get kind of closer to the end of the video, which we'll, we'll do some other stuff too, but, uh, video. sorry, <laughs> I always get the two mixed up, getting to the end of the podcast. Uh, and that is in your, what was it? The, uh, Gator Slayer, I think that was the video. You did the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. Pardon my language. You uh, took a spring and you clamped it, and then you turned on your tractor and or you heated the spring up, and you hooked it to the tractor, and then you pulled the spring straight using the tractor. Can you talk about that? That was so cool. Oh man, that that I don't know what video that it was in. I I don't think it was a Gator Slayer. You don't think? Okay, but yeah, I it was. This is the that. thought that went through. I'm driving to work and I'm like, oh, this video sucks. I know I'm gonna build this. There's gonna be no intro. It's gonna be really boring. I wasn't thinking about that hard though, right? It's just subconsciously, and I'm like, what could I do to, I don't know, grab some attention or something? It wouldn't be cool. And I read it in so. Yes, when I started blacksmithing, there was blacksmithing books, and you would read them. You <laughs> would actually study them. And there was one book, The Modern Blacksmith. I think it was The Modern Blacksmith. And I think, or was it another one? Anyways, the idea was, I think, in there, that you would heat the whole thing That's up and crazy. put it in a tractor and drive, drive it away. And I'm like, oh, that could work. And I could do that really <laughs> quick, and that would be really fun to try to see if it would work. And it was like like 15 minutes, right? Let's just blow this thing off. I just That's grabbed awesome. some chain, welded it right to the, the vice grip, threw it around the acorn <laughs> table, heated it up, just went for it and it, it worked out great. And man, people love that thing. It was like, <laughs> yeah, there were so whoa. many comments on that. <laughs> I need to think up of these awesome. things more often. I wish they would come to my mind a little more often. It's unfortunately it doesn't. So apparently we all need to read more. Well, yeah, it, it was reading read. when I had time as a teenager, right? Uh, and if you're okay, actually, seriously, if you're in a, if you're a, a young adult in your teenager years and you feel like you don't have time, but you actually in reality have excessive time, if you can find something like that you're passionate about, like blacksmithing or whatever it is, cooking or baking, mm -hmm. smoking, utilize that time, like drive it yeah. hard because as soon as you become a an adult and get a family, 
all of your free time is committed no to them, time. which yeah. well, you have time, but you proportion it differently. And right. so yeah. you can do yourself a massive head start in your career if you have a pretty sure idea of what you want to do. If you don't know what you want to do, then use that time to try different things to find it. But if you know what you want to do, drive hard because you can you can literally save yourselves um, years of being yeah. upgraded at work. And and for young people who don't know what reading is, it's like YouTube but printed on paper. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I I don't even know what the for learning blacksmithing what people do nowadays. I, I assume you would just watch YouTube. But um, yeah. if yeah, I mean books. I actually contribute all my technical blacksmithing to Mark Asprey. He has three books out. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to know the in and out of what is actually going on when you forge steel, super recommend his books. Buy them all, study, read them, and you'll be way better than not doing that. Anyways. Yeah, I did that with uh, with bow making when I first perfect, started bow making. Um, it was that same thing. It was like there were – we did have Clay Hayes, who's an awesome bow maker and a YouTube content creator. We had him on um, a couple months ago, and uh, he, it was like his videos – were the only thing on YouTube that had a real source of information for me, but I had got the traditional Boyer's Bible and I was reading those books and like kind of trying to piece all this stuff together. And yeah, I could, yeah, I agree a hundred percent, but that just having that information at the, mm. at, right at your fingertips and you knowing that you could find the majority of what you're looking for in that book, you know, that was a, is a great resource. Yeah. And, and that is such a, it's such a different thing. It's almost, it's almost like you're meditating on a thought when you're reading because that is the only thing you're focused on. And when you're watching YouTube, you're looking at your phone or you're doing something else or you have it up on your TV. Yep. But just reading a book about something you're getting into, like I've been doing on timber framing and stuff, you're solely focused on the information that's coming at you. And, and that's uh, obviously a, a great way to learn. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tim. So we like to ask our guests closer to the end of the podcast to relate to us a disaster story. And if those of you who are listening don't know what that is, uh, as a maker, we all have disaster stories. And what we say when I reach out to people, I say, tell me a story of where you basically had to, you were doing something, you had to scrap it, right? You had to stop completely and had to start over or something happened that there's a disaster. And the reason why I love these is because we all have them. And so it's fun to relate to people. Does, by, does know, things that they've messed up on. <laughs> Does everybody actually have one? Because I don't think I've ever, ever screwed anything up. Oh, I, man. I never mind then. And that's the end stories. of the podcast, yeah. folks. Thanks. Th thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where do you start? You you could yeah. start any day you wanted. Pick any day. Um, <laughs> but in the last seven years, this is the one that comes to mind mm. when you say that. So that that's how you remember it's bad. <laughs> I was just starting out self-employed and I was really eager to fill that portfolio and get some big pictures in there to sh of showing what I could do. And so I was, uh, somebody came to me like, Hey Tim, we're renewing our house. Can you do like a railing for us on the stairs? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll come down. I'll take a look at it. So I come in it's like this uh, typical house and they have the stairs and I was like, Oh yeah, I could build a railing, but actually for this much more, I could actually like, we could just rip the whole stairs out and we could put like this steel stringer, mono floating, we'll put glass, we'll go glass to the ceiling. It'll be awesome, it'll be super good, you'll love it. And they're like, yeah, we'll love that. Okay, we'll do that. And, and then I'm like, oh, it'll be this much. And they're like, okay, great, no problem. So 
that right there was the problem. I had more than half underquoted myself. So that's not a Ooh. great way to start a project. And it's not the last time I did it or the first time. But anyways, <laughs> so so we're, we we would like literally blow that blow the whole stairs out of this house and it's summer vacation so all the kids are home so they're using a ladder to go up and down to their bedrooms <laughs> they probably love that yeah they're actually super cool about it. It, it it's fun for the kids not as much for the parents yeah and i'm a one-man show so you know how fast things get done right Oof, so yeah. so it was like it went okay with the stairs and the steel and everything like it took a long time and and but once the steel was in they could use it and stuff so then i'm like okay well now we got to get glass for this and the glass was half inch thick tempered glass each piece has all these holes in it and angles because it's a stairs right so i spent all this time we've done it a million times you you make a template with the wood you cut it all perfect then you just make drawings off of it or send it to the glass company so i made drawings i send it to the glass company glass company says no problem we can do that great so they send me the first batch of glass and the truck comes there and i start looking at the glass and i'm like um, what, what project is this for? They're like this project mm. here. I'm like, yeah, but that piece isn't even anything like anything I have sent you. They're like, oh, well, we'll take oh. it back and we'll send you there. And then I'm like, yeah, but what about this piece here? There's like a, a ding on the side of the glass. Oh, okay. We'll take it back for you. And I'm like, well, okay. So that's mm. over 50% of these pieces are taken back. Okay. We'll take them back. We'll remake them. Okay, cool. So I, I put the ones in and like, oh, actually these don't work. We need to get them back. Okay. We'll make new ones for you. Okay. So then how long will it be? Jeez. Oh, it'll be a couple of days. So that it's like, you know, like four days or five days and it comes back and the exact same thing happens. Half of those or more than half of those are wrong. And they're like, okay, no problem. Oh. We'll take it back to you. And it came to the point where I'm like, like, what, what is wrong with you guys? Like, why can't you look at like, this is not, I can look at this and tell you this is wrong before you bring, let me come to your factory. No, you can't come to the factory. Okay. So anyways, oh, it was as uh, the sales guy came out. And he's like, oh, yeah, next time you have a problem, call me. And I'm like, I'll call you tomorrow, you know. So anyway, it was, <laughs> right, it was yeah. like, guys, like, I don't, I don't knock other companies. Like, I hate to do that. But it was, it was like, scary bad. So that oh. dragged the project out so far. It was so bad. Okay, so that was a couple things. So this was, like, in the summer we started. This is, like, rolling up to Christmas right now, right? Like, these people want to see this project done. So finally, I'm like, okay, you know what? We're just going to clear coat this, uh, the steel and everything, and then we'll be done. It'll be awesome. And they're like, oh, great. Well, we're going away for the weekend, uh, so you can have the house to to paint this railing, and then we'll be done. Okay, great. So they go away. So I, I come in there. I'm like, going to clear coat. It's just going to be rattle can, spray can, clear coat. We've done a lot. So the finish is great. Yeah. And um, I got poly to protect so there's no overspray. So I put the poly up on the roof, and uh, mm -hmm. it hangs down, and it's like, oh. I guess the ceiling's 10 feet, but it's only eight feet. I'm like, yeah, so there's a two foot gap in the bottom, but it'll be okay because the, the spray will just hit the plastic and fall straight down. Okay, so I, I go into this thing, right? I'm gonna spray paint in the railing. I'm like, oh man, it's getting pretty pretty thick in here. I guess I better open the door. So I open the door and then I'm like, oh man, I, I guess I better maybe get a draft going or something. So I open another door on the other side of the house <laughs> and I just drain it. Like I drop like probably like 20 spray cans, right? <laughs> And I come out of the plastic and I'm like, take off my mask and goggles. And I'm like, oh, there, there's like clear coat dust, like everywhere, like, oh, like on their man. couch, on their kitchen, oh. on their computer, upstairs in the kid's bedroom on their bed. <laughs> the, oh, ki geez. the kids are passed out next to the bed. The uh, children I'm are like, covered. 
Oh, it's a good thing they're gone. I'll just stay late now. I'll get this cleaned up. No problem. Oh. I better go get some stuff to clean up. So I book it out of the house, right? And I'm, I'm going at the store. I'm picking up some granola bars and bananas. It's going to be a long night, right? I get this phone call from the client. They're like, hey, Tim, we just came home and uh, there's paint everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm coming right back. I'll be there in 10 minutes to figure it out. Would you like a banana? <laughs> so I was there all night vacuuming everything, the blinds in the house, behind the couches and everything. And honestly, I didn't clean it up that great. But. Thank goodness they are the best clients on the face of the planet. They understood. No damage was done except my pride. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, like that, that's like the top, that's the top screw up as a young guy starting his business. And oh, then uh, I got more, but you know what? We'll save those for another day. Oh man, that was, that's a good one. I'm sitting over here like holding my mouth and my oh. eyes like, no. <laughs> Innocence, right? Oh man. Oh. Yeah, right. Jeez. Oh. Whew. I love yeah, that was I, that was a good one. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. I love those, and I love I love to laugh at them because we all feel the pain, and we all know those disaster stories. Not, maybe not. Yep. I, I haven't had one like that. That's a, that's a pretty good one, Tim. <laughs> uh, last night, cause, because we were uh, we were preparing, like, oh man, these this question's going to be asked. My wife and I were like bouncing back and forth. Hey. You know, last seven years, what's been the uh, the worst one we've screwed up? And then we we started rattling it off. We're like, you know what? This is still open wounds. We're done. Let's just pick that one and stick to it. <laughs> That's great. Let's not dig back into this grave. <laughs> so, what great. about that That's one funny. time you were out and you didn't bring back? No, not not our disaster stories, honey. The, the, the my, my work disaster stories. Uh, I'll leave the other one at this. I did a project. It was a full house, stairs, lights, everything. When the project was all said and done, I sat down and worked through my my cost versus benefit. And when I got to the point where I was making $6 an hour, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm actually going to stop. I'm not going to figure out how much my wage was for that. <laughs> oh, I stopped at six bucks. Break it's crap. that low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's yeah. a bit of, it, it's a tough road, guys. It's a tough road being self-employed, doing artisan-based work. And, yeah. and YouTube is a face of seeing the only the highlight reel it's not the reality necessarily um right. It, right. it's just a choice of what we have decided to do as makers or as builders you know it's not yeah. all fun there's hard seasons and hard work but yeah. that's why um i don't encourage a lot of people to get interested in blacksmithing because if you can do anything else in life and be happy with yourself then do that <laughs> because if it's only if you can't be happy doing anything else that you're going to be able to stick with it, you know, cause it, there's some yeah. hard sections. Right. And that'll be within yeah. anything, Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's uh, just the, the idea of, you know, not, not everyone can dedicate that much time to stuff and that's why not everyone does it. You know, not everyone can put time and effort into making things and, and, or if they can, you know, they can only do it so much and then you're getting like a lack of quality. Um, and, and, you know, that's, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, and I encourage people all the time to, if, if they want to start like a YouTube channel or if they want to start making things to just to do the things that they love, because it will come across in the way they present their work. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I thought that I have thought since the beginning, when I first told Devin, I was like, Hey, you should check out this, this is my recommendation for this podcast, you know, six months ago was you know that this guy has this awesome channel and i can see that he loves what he's doing he comes across really natural so it's been fun tim cool yeah and before we go to recommendations i wanted to say i appreciate when i was watching your videos tim 
it's always that little bit like, okay, what's this accent? And then you figure it out. It's you're Canadian, and we we have Canadian cousins, so it's it's immediately like a warmth thing, like a like okay, I I I, I feel it, I I like it. It's something I like, but I also really enjoy. Now you say you were kind of chasing the chainmail videos and doing these like wild, like hey, I'm going to shoot stuff into them. I really enjoyed them. I, apparently, everything I like is the opposite of what makes you money. So I'm sorry about that. But. Uh, and there's more truth in that than you know. <laughs> I I enjoyed them, but I also I loved because I like the enthusiasm, and it's it's the thing I think that bonds. Not only do we share a continent, it it bonds Canadians Americans together. It's like that going out in the woods and doing kind of crazy stuff and shooting stuff at car parts and being a little bit a little bit hillbilly. Yeah. But we all kind of ha- we all kind of have that side in us, and I, I love it. That's awesome. I, I actually really appreciate that feedback. And and um, yeah, when you put yourself out there, you feel insecure about it, right? So it's good to hear yeah. encouraging words about that. You know, absolutely. Yeah, man. All right, uh, Tim, do you have a recommendation for us? Something, something for the viewers, or sorry, the, the listeners to uh, <laughs> check out. Something you enjoy? Uh yes. I I actually have a challenge with the question, not because it's a bad okay. question. Um, I feel <laughs> like uh, people who inspire me or have inspired me, it's changed so much over the years. So I didn't know exactly who the audience is and, and how that's hitting. So I actually thought of a couple people, if you don't mind, just super yeah, quickly though. So from yeah. uh, growing up in the blacksmithing community and uh, growing up in that, the people who I really look, looked up to, just two of the top ones that, that I could think of would be a guy by the name of Brian Russell. He's a blacksmith in the UK and he does what I would consider some of the best um, forged architectural work in an organic way so his stuff is cool. like really complex forgings with multiple forge welds and really cool upsets but also he does ridiculously like real life uh foliage or a little bit of um a little bit of a stylized look to it but like it's really great and he is that that's one of the thing that's unfortunate a little bit is that the blacksmithing world there is people doing crazy good stuff and we do not know about it because they are at their forge not on the channel or not on internet right so anyways Mm -hmm. if you can look up him that that's some great inspiration and then growing up there was another guy called uh conrad hicks and he is still working they they both are actually and conrad hicks uh for me he was the first guy that i saw was had like a big power hammer but was using Mm -hmm. it in a very artistic way and it was this like uh on collage of mass industrial big steel malleability of forging and i was just like i'm still captivated by his work it's not a style that i will ever make because right. of, because of who i am but i super respect it and, and his thought process is really great like he gets it so those are two guys that i would say if you're interested in blacksmithing take a look at that and then nice. that's my that's my um architectural sort of background and then i also have a lot of like tool uh love like i love making tools and that process yeah yeah and yeah. um P- uh, patrick quinn it runs actually a blacksmithing school and his yep. tools are ridiculously awesome i would say him and um jacob Ferrum are like the top tool makers there's a lot of tool makers out there and i i don't know them all so these are the top two guys that i know of right now and i just mm-hmm. love the the way they have perfected their work and look at that so if you're interested in tool making blacksmithing tools take a look at that that, excuse me. Nice. And then 
Um, sorry, quickly. Do it. No, man. that's it. Yeah, that's the last great. one. No, no. Yeah, cut me off. <laughs> I know I could go on forever, right? Um, <laughs> from yeah. uh, a, a more conceptual art process and design, I actually like this guy. His name is Richard Serra. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, S-E-R-R-A. Yep. Yep. That's right. And mm-hmm. oh, man, his work, guys, like it's solid steel. <laughs> and it is on a perspective that my mind, like I've watched a lot of videos and looked at a lot of industry stuff. And his scale of work is so mind blowing, but it's also like you look at it and there's just this really sense of like, this guy knows something about something because of the way it works. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the shapes are really cool. If you get a kind of just Google, look at those couple images, but also the texture, like he just, he understands the material and space in a way that I'll never yeah. be able to understand. So I, I just really appreciate <laughs> that kind of pushing on that. And then, and then finally, the last one, uh, for somebody who inspires me on, on YouTube, I actually uh, contribute a lot of me starting my channel from, uh, Peter McKinnon, um, by, by the way, uh, he was able to live his life and what he's passionate about, but also relational, bring you into the video and also create emotion and feeling through what he does. And that was sort of the first YouTuber who I saw was doing all of these things into one video. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. Or, or at least it, it, it really captivated me. So yeah, those right are on. a couple tickets you guys can check out if you want to see some of them. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I, 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 I love you had a whole bunch of inspiration because we all have a whole bunch of, of, of inspiration. Um, I was in an art show when I was in grad school called The Smile Without the Cat. And the idea was that the Cheshire Cat in... Um, in Alice in Wonderland, you see his smile and you don't see the rest of the cat sometimes, you know? And so that's what we're, mm. we put out in the world. We put out this, we put out what we, uh, what we've ingested all this inspiration. We put out the smile, but behind that, there's all this other stuff behind it that, that is inspiring mm. us mm. in all these different ways. And, uh, I think that's great. And the fact that like you, you mentioned Richard Sarah, who does just this like monumental work with giant like bends. And, and I've, I've, I've been to a Richard Sarah show in New York walking oh, through these. Cra- oh. Yeah. Yeah. Walking through these crazy gigantic sculptures inside giant warehouses. And it's just, it's so daunting and scary and magnificent all at the same time. It's <laughs> crazy. It's cool. Yeah. And I love, I love, sorry, before I do mine, I, I love that when, I think we all in what we do and we think we do something well, we get a little snobbish about because you see people do it less and you're like, eh, well, yeah, that, that's easy. That's easy. That's easy. But when you find someone who blows you away, I, I always love that. You're like, yeah, I have no idea how they're doing that. And I appreciate how good they are. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, exactly. My, uh, okay. I got a weird one. It's totally off. We do this sometimes, Tim, where we just pick, it's a lot of times at 12 o'clock at night when I'm just surfing through YouTube and I find <laughs> videos that, I really dig for whatever reason. Um, this one was actually, it's a timeline piece, and it's World War, this is the title, World War II American and Japanese veterans meet where they once fought. Whoa. Right? That's that's such a good, that's a, a good title <laughs> that pulls you in, but it's so, you feel yourself getting emotional. You see these two guys, and it's it's obviously Marines and the Japanese, and you get two old guys, on on both sides, actually, one one American and one a Japanese soldier, and it's amazing. Like they're opening these these bunkers and tombs that haven't been opened, yeah. Since mm. since they got bombed, the people who got trapped in, they're finding all this stuff, and everyone's getting emotional. And the way they 
do the video is they show both sides separate. Hmm. So the whole time you hear both their stories, and obviously they're both moving, and they're both intense. And then they come together, and there's such this joyous like brotherhood almost mm-hmm. i guess it, it must be a warrior soldier thing yeah mm-hmm. and after that much time goes past probably some of the wounds are healed obviously not all of them but you feel a connection to this person that kind of went through you both went through hell on these islands and they get together and they're so happy to see each other yeah it was really, it's one of those silly things I'm on YouTube, like tearing up at 12 o'clock at night mm. watching this <laughs> random video, but it hits you so hard. So watch that. We'll leave a link about it. It is, it's like an hour. It's, you don't have to watch the whole thing, you know, but it's really, really good and really, uh, really emotional. Hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. I think, yeah, that is cool. I like that, you know, obviously bringing the humanity out of anything, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, just special. And, and that like something like war, which is so so vicious and you know brings the worst out of people to be able to revisit that and and that bring that humanity back into it and know that these are people on both sides everyone's people you know like you gotta yeah yeah right we're all we're all trying to do the same thing do the best for our families and live mm-hmm. a life that hopefully you know hopefully we can leave behind some type of legacy that you know people will see and they appreciate that we did something it's mm-hmm. cool all right my uh, recommendation this week is a metal artist of the name. He goes by his name is Douglas Pryor. Oh uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> that guy's blowing yeah. the scale out of stuff. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So Tim, Tim, so, no, no, Tim. You can't have Dustin's recommendation too. You've had enough. Have you guys seen the elephant he did out of one eighth plate? It was like four by eight sheet, and he actually punched the whole elephant head out of it. How does somebody do that? Seriously. It's crazy. And what I'm watching right now, the one, the one, the reason specifically, the reason why I'm, um, why he's my recommendation is because right now he's working on a life-size uh, crocodile, and same thing, it's made out of a, you know, it's probably a, it looks like a three by eight. I'm looking or it up sheet. right now. I haven't. It's seen crazy, it. and there's a, there's a video of him just working on it right now. It just looks like a blob on the floor, but you can see how long because this video that he has is it, like 40 seconds or so, and it's just him hammering on this one spot. But he does a. A technique called was it repose? Um, it's yep. like chasing and raising, which basically you're taking steel or metal or any any type of metal, and you're you're heating and hammering it, so you're bringing a relief up or down into it. So you're fo- you're forming it to make a 3D object without you know without welding. You're just heating and shaping the metal. Um, and so he does lots of really beautiful work, but he's working on these gigantic scale ones, which is just so fascinating. So he's my uh, it's funny. I was I was looking for him today. I, I realized I remembered his video and I saw it yesterday, and um, trying to find his video because I couldn't remember his name off the top of my head. So I'm like scrolling through pages and pages of Instagram <laughs> just trying to find his video. I'm like, man, I think I follow too many people because it took me way too long to scroll down to find his video <laughs> from yesterday, but I found it. So check him out on Instagram. That's Douglas underscore Prior. And again, we will put that in the show notes along with all the rest of these uh, recommendations. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Tim loved having you, man. Um, where can we find you? What's all your, your channels and things? Uh, YouTube, Timothy Dick and Instagram. Timothy Dick is kind of just, how you, oh, excuse me. Just drop something. Uh, how you find me. All right. And, um, thanks for having me guys. It has actually been really fun to talk. 
That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, for I'm, sure. Yeah, it was. It's been awesome to have you. It's fun to chat to uh, like-minded people and you know get different perspectives on on what we all love to do, or at least what we're aspiring to do on YouTube and makers and stuff. So it's been a blast. Um, and one last thing I wanted to say is I love the axes that you're making. I'm a huge axe collector. I'm an axe junkie. So when you started posting videos about making axes, I was like, God, this is awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> definitely want to chat with cool. this guy. We didn't actually talk about axes at all, but I love them. They, they're, they're beautiful. Thank um, you. I'm, I'm especially like fond of, uh, you know, curvy handles with decent sized palm swells at the end and yours have like the perfect mm. size. So they're looking great. Good. Thank you. Uh, Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, please, you know, head over to uh, YouTube. Check out Tim Timothy Dick on YouTube. You guys can find us on YouTube, The Art of Craftsmanship. Uh, you can find us all on Instagram, and we'll put all the links to that down below as well. And if you want to support our channel further, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash The Art of Craftsmanship. And go over and support Tim, too. He's, he's doing awesome stuff. Tim, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And Devin, as always, it's been a pleasure to talk to you too, Dev. And Cheers. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you all next time. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.